Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your guest co-host, Liam Heslin. Today, we're going to be talking about our boldest predictions for the UFC in 2023. It's kind of become an annual tradition for us, Liam. I know last year we went out there. I think only about maybe half or less than half of my predictions came true, but we're going to try it once again. I got some very bold ones. I got the kind of predictions now where... The people that have been following me for a long time are going to be like, holy shit, I did not expect you to pick that. And then there's going to be some where it's like, yeah, I saw that coming. So it's going to be all over the place, and I cannot wait to get down the business, Liam. My brother, I can't wait either. Uh, you know, last year, I thought we hit the nail on the head for some general themes, but maybe we got the wrong characters for some of the jobs, right? I thought that Talia Santos came up big. Uh, against Valentina, for example, didn't quite get the job done, but showed that there's that chink in the armor, that vulnerability. So, man, I'm just excited uh, to try and, you know, see if we could do a little bit better this year and uh, and try and knock out some of these predictions. Well, without further ado, let's get right down to business. And I'm glad that you mentioned Bullet Valentina because my first prediction for 2023 is the great Valentina Shevchenko is finally going to get dethroned and you know man she's had an incredible run i mean let's 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 pull up exactly what my girl valentina what kind of damage she's been doing to her weight class and for how long you know what i mean because she started off she was trying to attempt to get the 35 pound bell but you know how it is with, with amanda nunez in the wings but ever since that point i mean she goes out there against Joanna and jacek in 2018 my man wins that belt and ever since then, I mean, how many defenses are we talking now? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven title defenses, my man. I mean, that's the definition of a long-reigning champion. But we've seen some holes that I think certain people, the right person is going to expose, whether it was that one round where Jennifer Maya laid on top of her the entire round. Jennifer Maya wasn't good enough to capitalize, but I think, Cough, Aaron Blanchfield <coughs> might be good enough to capitalize. And uh, Tyler Santos almost, almost, almost did it. I think that in 2023, someone will do it. I, I want to say it's Aaron Blanchfield that dethrones her, but at the same time, it could be someone else. So the prediction is Valentina Shevchenko, the great, get dethroned in 2023. My man, how could I push back against you? As you know, this was my prediction last year, and I thought we had it. I really did. I thought going to the cars, we had got it done. But I, I knew that in the back of my head, the swelling on the eye, the headbutt, the clash of heads, whatever you want to call it, uh, I thought that that was the only thing that could cost me, and it did end up costing me there. The champion keeps her belt. But, I mean, I just have to agree totally. I thought that, you know, she looked vulnerable this year. She fought a little bit less, maybe a little bit less activity. And I think a lot of people were discounting uh, Talia Santos' chances. I think people don't know that she's a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, who just happens to be extremely strong and physical. And I saw her dominating the other girls in the division that had outranked her a little bit in belt because she's very physical. She's got that domineering size. But I think that Erin Blanchfield showed this year she's got the technique. Uh, Henzo Gracie Jiu-Jitsu stand up. I thought she was doing great things. And, you know, I thought that Molly McCann uh, had some experience. You know, it was a big fight feel. I thought at least she'd give her, you know, some competition. And she got absolutely blown out of the water uh, with a shocking rapidity there. So I think Erin Blanchfield announced herself as one of the lead contenders. But I think 
you know, everybody now wants to get their hands on Valentina. There's a long time where they don't want to fight the champ uh, when they look their best. But, you know, when the run starts to come towards an end, you know, then the people start chirping. Then everybody wants their shot at the title. And I think for good reason. I think she's, uh, you know, maybe ready to take that plunge. So did you actually have this prediction too? Like, is this one of your bold predictions? No, th this is my prediction from last year. I won't use it again, especially if you've got it. So my number one bold prediction for the year, Shavkat Rachmanov ends the year as welterweight's number one contender. Uh, and I think that what we're seeing is Kamzat Shemaev has made a lot of uh, talk about moving up to 185. I think that that could clear the path for him. And frankly, I think that this fight against Jeff Neal is a great starting point. Uh, the guy's got tremendous grappling upside in a lot of his fights. You've seen uh, that that worked out big time against Neil Magny. I bet on him huge there. And I think that on the feet, this guy's extremely dangerous. He's got the spinning techniques. Uh, he's got dangerous punching mechanics. Has he been rocked before? Yes. Did he respond to that adversity in the way that you'd like to see, you know, a young contender do? Yes. So I think that I've liked everything I've seen from him so far. I think he's been dominant so far in his run in the UFC. And I think that the other guy that I was worried about is probably going to vacate the premises. So I like Shavkat Rachmanov to clear out the contendership queue on his way to that number one contendership spot. I don't think they want him to get that title shot necessarily until he learns how to speak more English. But I do think he's an intimidating guy. He's easy to market for his finishing capabilities. So I like Shavkat Rachmanov to end the year as number one welterweight contender. You know, it's funny. I saw someone tweet out like, I can't believe people are picking Jeff Neal to beat Shafcat. Like, bro, Jeff Neal is a, pl a fucking plus 400 underdog. Like, well, what the hell are you talking about? Like, if someone's going to bet Neal, it's just you know, take a shot at those odds. But to actually sit here and act like people are going on some crusade or tirade to say that Jeff Neal is the guy to beat Shafcat. Like, I'm not saying Jeff's not going to win. I'm just saying. How could you make those claims when he's a plus 400 dog? Like, dude was talking like it was a fucking pick him or something. So People aren't talking yeah. with their money necessarily in that one. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Um, you know, my next one was going to be a, a really big one for me. That's going to make people be like, oh, goddamn. But since you brought up the welterweight division, I'm going to skip a little bit and get to my welterweight prediction. And I'm going to give you the exact same prediction I gave you last year. So last year, I said the winner of Bilal Muhammad versus Hamzat Chimaev is going to be the one to dethrone uh, the great Usman. <laughs> Leon got to do it before them, but Hamzat and Bilal are still out here winning, and they're still pretty goddamn close to a title shot. I'm going to go back to the well, and I think that if these two fight each other, the winner of that is going to fight for a title. But I think even if they don't fight each other, I can see Bilal you know, fighting the winner of, of Leon and Usman. And I could see um, Hamzat actually going up to 85s. I think he might have something for Alex Pereira. So I could see Hamzat, you know, contending for belt in two-way classes. And I think Bob Muhammad gets a title shot in 2023. I know people love hating on him. That's just because they they hate money. I mean, when like, let's say, let's say I, I bet on Bilal here and I lose. You know what that would make me, Liam? That would make me like 9-1 in his last 10 fights. So, I mean, if you've been betting Bilal Muhammad, you've been laughing all the way to the bank. And it's like people talk about recency bias. People talking about market overcorrection. Dude, he was plus 200 
against Wonder Boy. He was plus 160 against Luke. He was plus 115 against Brady. What recency bias? What market overcorrection? So you mean to tell me he's going to be minus 200 against Usman? Yeah, fucking right. This guy is going to be the underdog in 2023 again, and I'm going to capitalize, and my bold prediction is Blah Muhammad fights for the title in 2023. I like it, man. Uh, I have been against him a number of times and gotten crushed. So I got to just eat my words. Uh, Bilal Muhammad continues to impress. Um, and I think that, you know, the time to bet against him, um, you know, may not be coming soon. You know, maybe maybe it's a title fight, something like that. But even so, I think he'll be competitive. Uh, he's just done a great job of improving his skill set. When he finished Sean Brady, I, I just had to clap for him. God bless. I mean, it was a huge win. Uh, and something I never saw coming. So uh, I think he continues to improve. But for me, I got a 2A and a 2B here um, for my bold prediction. And that's because I think we're doing purely UFC here. But I wanted to just shout out my man, Patchy Mix. I believe this man will be the next Bellator champion. Uh, I've been betting him all the way to the bank, underdog odds every time. I, and Kyoji Horiguchi was being hyped as the you know front runner to win this tournament. Patchy Mix goes out there and gets the decision win over him. Uh, then, you know, people again, make him an underdog in this most recent fight. He goes out there and chokes that guy silly. So I just think patchy mix continues to be slept on uh future bantamweight champion in the Bellator organization. But as for the UFC's bantamweight organization, my bold prediction is that Aljamain Sterling retires from competition this year. Um, and I, I don't know if you made this prediction last year. I know we discussed that, you know, he kind of had talked about it at earlier points in his career that he didn't want to fight forever. He wanted to retire young. And if Cejudo, Cejudo and Aljo is going to happen, that's a big money fight. Ideally, that's the kind of fight that you try and store up some, uh, you know, capital and move on to whatever you're going to do next. He's a charismatic guy. He does a lot of things outside of fighting, real estate, uh, podcasting, all this stuff. And he talked about wanting to retire young. He's a champion. He's done everything he ever wanted. Uh, and now he's got wins that put him in that kind of, you know, pantheon of the bantamweight division it's by hook or by crook. You know, you, you could love it or hate it, but he's he's done it now. And um, if he gets one more big win like a Henry Cejudo, that would be a great time to piece off into the sunset. So I think Aljamain Sterling's going to try and go all in and uh, and retire this year as a champion. So I like uh, Aljamain to retire this year. And thank you for putting on for D3 Wrestling, the New York boys, teaching them how to wrestle once again. Uh, Aljamain Sterling and Patchy Mix, two of them in the bantamweight division that have been doing it and doing it at a high level. So uh, two championship bantamweights. That's my bold prediction number two. So I, I halfway agree. I agree with you that Aljo will not be the UFC bantamweight champion this time next year. But I think he might want to test the waters at, at featherweight. Uh, I think that he's one of the biggest guys at bandweight. I know that cut's getting absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, he truly believes in his style. He thinks he can go out there and choke out a guy like Volkanovsky, which, you know, you're not going to choke out a guy with no neck like that. Ask Ortega. But I'm just saying, I mean, listen, you can't, you know, when a guy's as confident as that, who am I to tell him any differently, right? So um, I'd love to see him go up to 45 and just see if he can do what he's been doing to these guys. Um, so that that's for sure. Um, and then as far as mix, dude, ever since he lost that one fight, he's been fucking impressive, man. He's been just like running through like like real guys like uh Horiguchi, um, the the Russian the last time. Like, god damn, like oh my Whose god. Whose only <laughs> loss was Piotr Jan, and he choked right. that guy silly. 
Yeah, that was uh yeah, and just that frame for his weight classes is, is and especially the way he uses his frame, right? Like yeah, he's he's a problem. So, I agree with you there. Um as far as uh, Sterling and Cejudo, so dude, I was one of the guys that was betting Cejudo at dog odds against TJ Dillashaw. Uh Max bet him against Dominic Cruz. Uh like I was all over like you know what's funny? I actually picked Cejudo to dethrone Mighty Mouse the first time. And I was in attendance, had a plus 350 ticket in Vegas, like was waiting for it. And then he just got steamrolled. So then the next time I made a, you know, a rookie mistake and, and held it against them instead of being like, hey, like not every fight is created equally. If I was willing to bet him plus 350 the first time, let's bet him at even better odds the next time. The next time he goes out there and deep throws mighty mouth. So I was like, damn, I just picked him one fight too early. But the reason I'm bringing that up is because if, if this was like Suhudo immediately coming off the cruise fight, like, dude, I would go all in on Cejudo to beat Sterling, but he retired. The guy got fat. It seems like this is kind of like, you know, I know he's a competitor. And I know he's got that competitive spirit 100%, and he probably has that itch and that urge to fight all the time. But Aljo's actually been out here doing it. So that's where, you know, are we going to get that, that you know, fight-ready Neuroforce 1 train, Henry Cejudo, where he's just firing on all cylinders. Just looks like a completely different athlete. Like, some of the, like, dude, in his run, he just looked untouchable. Like, I know that first round against Marais went the way it went, but for him to, like, you know, find that second win and not, you know, lose his composure and just put it on Marais to, I mean, he broke Marais to the point where Marais never looked the same ever again. Like, that's what Cejudo's capable of. So, if you can give me any, any, semblance of that version of Zahudo, I think he can dethrone Aljo, but I have a feeling we're going to get, you know, my boy is not going to be in the best shape and it's going to be kind of a money grab. So it sucks to, it really sucks to sit here and, and pick, uh, uh, you know, Sterling to beat Zahudo. But right now I would, but if this was two years ago, I'd fucking, I'd go big on Zahudo. Yeah. And it's so interesting. Cause I actually don't know what to make of that fight. You know, in a lot of ways, Aljo is, the best wrestler that's active at 135 and he's used that to great advantage. Uh, you know, he's done a great job of using his two skills together. He has good wrestling. He can take you down. He can spam takedown attempts if he needs to. And then if he takes your back, you're stuck or you're dead. That's it. Like you have two options. You're stuck for the rest of the round or you're getting choked out. And I think that that's the problem is Henry Cejudo. He is probably the most versed wrestler in the UFC, you know, like just period when he's active. So it, it becomes hard to bet against that, um, you know, with another wrestling and grappling archetype. But then you think of TJ Dillashaw, you know, he's never been taken down and, whatever, and then he goes out there and he's easily taken down by Aljo. It's like, there are levels to this. There are guys who are closer to their athletic prime. So it's very hard to bet against Aljo right now. I, I feel like I would have to stay away. They're two of my favorite guys. Like you said, like two guys that you could bet on at plus money. Everybody, uh, you know, hates on them because they got a little gimmick or whatever. And, and then they keep making you money. So um that for me is is just uh i can't i can't push back on you but i wouldn't bet on that fight personally i th i think that that's close to a pick em in my eyes my boy ghost gardener said dan rocking the queens of the stone age sweater you know what i'm saying hey gotta represent one of one of the best rock bands of all time you know the the reindeer are getting kind of festive in the on, on the on the sweater too uh man i love queens of the stone age i appreciate y'all all right let's get down to my next one so what's funny is jimmy the drunk uh commented where's his comment real quick okay he said 
John Jones is not fighting again. And what's funny is that I had a prediction that I think a lot of people will not expect to come from me because if you guys know, historically speaking, I've been one of the biggest Jones supporters. Like, yeah, has he fucked up multiple times? 100%. I'm not going to sit here and act like that's not the case, but like to sit here and act like steroids are why his technique is is as good as it is, why steroids are the reason that uh, his fight IQ is just better than anybody else's in the sport. Like, dude, like when he fought Vitor Belfort, Vitor Belfort was completely juiced on steroids too. Like tons of these guys are juiced on steroids. What John Jones does in this sport or what he's accomplished, it, it goes beyond steroids. Like this is a gifted individual. Not saying the steroids hurt him or anything. It maybe hurt his reputation. Not saying they hurt him inside the octagon, but just saying like the decision, steroids don't give you decision-making ability. And this guy, his fight IQ is just on a level that I cannot comprehend. Um, and you got to think about this in perspective. The guy's never lost a fight. Don't give me no Matt Hamill bullshit. Don't even try me on that crap. So this dude makes his his pro debut in 2008. It's And from 2008 to 2020, he's never lost a fucking fight. <laughs> I mean, even after he popped, he won all his fights. Now, granted, they started getting closer and closer and closer. It wasn't as dominant as before, but he still never lost fight. My bold prediction, and it hurts to say this, I really hope Johnny is not watching this because I've been one of Johnny's defenders. I, I, look, I don't defend the bullshit he's done, but I defend, you know, not, you know, diminishing what he's accomplished inside the octagon and not diminishing his techniques because his techniques are beautiful and steroids don't teach you techniques. Okay. So let's just get that out the way. But Liam, I'm going to shed a tear. My bold prediction is the great John Jones finally takes his first L in the sport. And I'm not talking about no Matt Hamill L where you smash the guy and then they call him the winner. You know, I'm not talking about no bullshit like that. I'm talking about, especially if he fights Francis Ngannou. I think it might be the first time. I always talk about it. No one is exempt from that first L. does not matter who you are, unless your name is Khabib or John Jones. But my, but I, my um, disclaimer was always, if they stick around long enough, they will take their first Ls. If John Jones comes back in uh, 2023, you know, assuming he's not fighting, you know, Who's a tune-up fight? You know, Stefan Struve's retired, but you know what I'm saying. As long as he's not fighting no Stefan Struve, like you put him in there with Francis Ngannou, and I think that we finally see the great John Jones lose. Hurts me to say it, but my bold prediction is that in 2023, the great John Jones takes his first L. Interesting, interesting. Um, I know you you didn't expect it. You didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. You know, I don't know what to make of the John Jones saga right now. I do have a weird feeling that John Jones is going to come back and fight Steve Miocic. Um, The reason I feel that way is because they both don't really make sense to fight for the title right now. They both kind of need to get their feet back, you know, wet before they get into a real fight like that, in my humble opinion. And it's, still a big fight you know it's like you can make a fight between the greatest heavyweight of all time you know how the ufc marketing machine will sell that um for steve and i love steve uh ohio stand up but it's also you know a little bit of the ufc icing out fedor and like talking about their history of the heavyweight division steve is the best heavyweight on paper in the ufc they can have him fight john jones that's a big fight 
I think that if they do that, what you would probably see is somebody like a Sergei Pavlovich or a Cyril Gan find their way into that title opportunity. Now, I think my bold prediction that would fit next best is Cyril Gan completes his story arc and defeats Francis Ngannou for the title in the rematch. And now I mentioned in my breakdown for the Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gan fight that I felt like it had a lot of parallels to the Stipe and Francis fight where everybody's talking about the fresh young guy coming in who doesn't have all the title experience, who hasn't fought all the toughest guys, who isn't training in the United States, getting the best wrestling partners at Extreme Couture, uh, which by the way is where Aljo and those other guys are training. It's like Extreme Couture has got a lot of guys that know how to wrestle, right? So when I look at that and I say, what did we see from Cyril Gaon in that fight? Did he not know how to wrestle? I mean, no, when he wanted to, he got on top of Francis. He was the one who was having the, the more success. I think he's a better natural athlete. I think he's a little bit more natural of a fighter. I don't think he has the same devastating power. Francis came in with an injury and I don't know if he'll ever be the same. So then when I say, you know, I don't know if Francis is going to be the same, that might open up the door for John Jones in my scenario to come back in and get a win that he might not have gotten a year and a half ago. You know, it could be a different guy that we're seeing. So I'm hoping and praying for Francis Ngannou that he comes back better than ever. But he's no spring chicken. You know, he's actually like 35, 36 himself coming off a of knee surgery. How did that work out for Kamaru Usman? It's like, how does this work out for a lot of guys that get older and they have knee problems in, you know, divisions where there's still guys younger than them on the come up with real athleticism and real skills. And I think Cyril Gan showed in that fight, he's one bad decision away from winning. So it's like, if he could do that on his first try, you know, against a guy that's already super familiar with him, I think he can easily win the rematch and finish, you know, uh, just like what happened, you know, when Steve A came back, it was a whole different ball game and he got finished in brutal fashion. And Cyril Gan just showed he could fight through some adversity against a guy like Taito Abasa, a big banger, a guy who's hard to put down. And I think he kind of changed Taito Abasa. I hammered Sergey Pavlovich in all his recent contests because he was getting this wake of Cyril Gan's destruction. So I think Sergey is a talented guy, but I think he's got one more big fight to get himself into contention. Whereas I think Cyril Gan, if he gets the shot when Francis comes back, you know, people are going to talk about the last fight and I'm going to pivot like I did on the, the Stipe fights where I said the first time Stipe is the side and the second time it's not the side. And I just think sometimes you got to make that adjustment and, that's what I foresee this year is that Francis Ngannou uh, might be in for, for that UFCL against Cyril Gunn. What's funny is I, I picked Francis both times against Stipe. So first time I was like, oh, my fucking God. But second time I was like, let's do it again. But I took Francis against Gunn, like, plus 130. And people like to like be like, oh, but you didn't predict he was going to come out here and wrestle. I was like, dude, I took plus 130 on the baddest man on the planet. I don't give a shit how he wins. But – Bottom line is, like, y'all conveniently left out that the fight prior against Stipe, who was a former D1 wrestler, it was Francis suplexing Stipe. So let's not sit here and act like we hadn't seen other elements of his game going into that. Plus, he came in there with fucking two knee braces, and we saw a D1 Francis. So it was pretty badass. But, yeah, now the guy's ballooned up to 300 pounds, had the surgery. So we'll see what happens. But my boy Jones gets hit a lot, and it was – against the Mahetas with two knee with, with with two blown knees against uh Dominic Reyes who was never the same ever again credit to Jones um I just think that when you're talking about how a guy like Francis hits like when you saw him in Jerzino like Jerzino was coming out there blasting some leg kicks was looking like the more technical guy but as soon as Francis was like 
All right, enough of that. Um, I'm double parked in front of a, a fire hydrant. I need to get the fuck out of here. I mean, the way he blitzed him, yeah, it looked ugly, but it didn't even matter, man. It, uh, what are you going to counter those strikes? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, you're going to duck under those? Yeah, so uh, I feel you on that. All right, so it's my turn now, right? Okay, so my next prediction is neither Davison Figueredo or Brandon Moreno will be the flyweight champ this time next year. And it's not because I think that these guys are on the decline or any bullshit. It, it's Davison is in a case where duty cuts way too much weight. It, like, and it's getting to the point where like now he's getting a little bit up there. What he's got to be close to 30 now, right? If not older than that, how old's my boy Davison? I want to say 33 off the top of my head. Let me check. Okay. Yeah, tell, tell, tell me how old my boy Davison is. 35. Holy to shit. My Google search. Born 1987. Holy shit. Our man's been in the streets. Damn, he's older than me. Like, so I, I thought that, you know, my boy is about to turn 30. You know, the weight cuts are getting. T- he's 35. The weight cuts. Okay, now I can really confirm. I mean, when you miss weight for a title fight, which he did one time, that, like, I know that this guy wasn't out here, you know, skipping his runs. Like, the guy's just too fucking big. And he still makes it work somehow. So I don't think he'll be champ this time next year. And uh, Brandon Moreno, I think he's got a lot of shit going on outside, uh, you know, the cage. And I think that he might get tied up in some shit that he might not necessarily need or want to be tied to. But I think it's going to kind of take away from his, you know, just presence there, which opens up the case for either, you know, an interim belt. That, that's saying that Moreno wins. If Moreno loses, then he's definitely not going to be champ this time next year. But bottom line, all these, we can play all these scenarios all we want. I think that there's two guys, and it's a battle between them. They fought before that are going to be, one of these two is going to be the flyweight champion this time next year. Alexandre Pantoja, who's got two wins over Brandon Moreno, by the way, and who went the distance with Davis and got his ass beat, but like, overcame the knockdowns like like handled it like if you saw how joe b handled the davison fight and then you saw how pantoja handled the day the davison it, it was night and day right so i think that pantoja or manel cap one of these two guys is going to be the ufc flyweight champion this time next year pantoja one of these guys that i just think that he's paid his dues to a point where like he's not going to be denied on the night kind of like some of these other guys i'm going to talk about that i predict to be champion and then manel cap he's got a like when you talk about flyweight being the fastest weight class this is the fastest guy this is the hardest hitter this is the best athlete uh like david dvorak's a really david dvorak's tougher than a two dollar steak and David Dvorak wanted no part of the exchanges. Like people, I saw people criticizing Cap. Why isn't Cap letting his hands go? It's like, well, firstly, Cap's a counter striker. Secondly, Dvorak's running away the entire time. What you want Manel to just run into the fire, you know, recklessly because his opponent wants no part of him? Like, that's not how this shit works. But you try to commit and fight a guy like Manel Cap, Bulbaricito. You know what I'm saying, man? So Pantoja or Manel Cap is going to be the UFC flyweight champion this time next year. I like that call. And I do think that Pantoja is probably a uniquely bad matchup for Cap. Um, just so skilled on the ground. I feel like he could probably exploit him there where Cap has been exploited in the past. But I do think uh, Cap's got knockout capability. He's a very powerful guy, extremely dynamic. So can't argue with that. 
Um, my next prediction in the flyweight division, Tatsuro Tyra breaks into the top 10. And, uh, you know, if not the top five, that was the, the prediction that I had written down. And I think that, you know, part of the job of what we do when we're trying to break down fighters and stuff like that is talent evaluation. Just trying to see who has skills that you want to, you know, find and invest in. And I have bet a lot of money on this kid uh, in his UFC fight so far because I felt like he showed a lot of promise. And I feel like on the regional scene, he had, you know, patience, sniper-like power. And when he would hurt people, his finishing instincts were perfect. He would drop them, take the back and choke him out. You can't tough guy a choke. If I get a choke around your neck, you're going to sleep. It, that That's the reason why it's the beautiful art. And I think that um, he's shown so far in the UFC an, ex, an insane dexterity. When he fell out of position into the guard, he pulled himself onto the back again in weight. Like I've never seen people do that. Like it's just, he gripped around the back and just pulled himself back onto the back. Like He's got a, a lot of flexibility, a very clever and, you know, unique guard game. I feel like it's difficult to prepare for somebody like that. He also has the larger grappling meta that you want to see, the back takes with extended control minutes, uh, and he's throwing ground and pound strikes. He's going for elbows to the head. He's trying to finish people uh, with violent maneuvers as well as chokes, and I just like to see that um, in terms of skills and talents that you need to win in this division. Plus, he's got that southpaw, big power in the left hand. I like Tetsuro Tire to break into the top 10. Yeah, and I love his upcoming matchup. You saw who he's fighting? I did. Dude, he's fighting the guillotine machine, uh, the Latin guillotine machine. Like, that's going to be his toughest test yet. Not saying he's not going to pass, but I'm just saying this is a step up from who Candelario and Vergara. Were those the first two? Uh, correct. Yeah, no disrespect to them. Tough guys for sure. But Jesus, you know, champion in another organization, very experienced, plus got that Latino heart, just just a different specimen. I mean, even though the two guys I just mentioned were Latinos, too, uh, Vergara and uh, Candelario. But I think that Jesus Aguilar might, might be kind of a step above, despite him making his UFC debut. So I think he's going to provide a formidable challenge. And if Tyra passes that, hey. You know, Condelario threatened him with the guillotine one time, so it is something uh, to watch out for. But I think he's going to pass the test. I, it's going to be a great fight, though. I do, I do think it is a step up in competition. Now, my next one. So, last year, I know Liam remembers, but just in case the fans don't remember, one of my bold predictions was that, and this is one of the ones that actually came true, so I finally get a second to brag. But I predicted that. Patty Pimblett has an undefeated year in 2022. It was close, but it happened. And I also predicted that Terrence McKinney does not have an undefeated year in 2022. Drew Dober uh, made that a reality. But now I'm switching my, my stance. And I think that Patty Pimblett takes his first UFCL in 2023. I love that one. Uh, because I thought he took his first UFCL a couple weeks ago. Uh, and I did tell people not to bet money on Jerry Gordon. I thought he was going to get hosed there. Uh, and, you know, when you look at a matchup and how it's put together, why is Jerry Gordon fighting Patty Pimblett? Is it because he moves pay-per-views? Is it because he does units? No, it's because he is a formidable guy. He's got a very credible record in the UFC. But when you peel back the layers, you go, oh, he kind of bounced around from 45 to 55, and he's never finished anybody. 
And that's the thing about Jared Gordon. He's a tough guy and he'll beat you on the cards, but he doesn't finish people. He doesn't hurt them that bad. And they don't want to put Patty in there with guys that can finish him because he could get audited on the skills there. I thought that that was, um, you know, a pretty wild decision, but e either way, I think if they put him in there with a, an increasing brand of competition with tougher and tougher guys, I do think eventually he's going to get found out. So uh, my bold prediction, Patty Pimblett versus Conor McGregor would be a thing at 155 or 170 pounds. When you have two guys that are stars and you don't know what to do with them, I think that that could be the kind of pairing that the UFC puts together and cash them both out in a sense. Like whoever wins, they, they get to be shined up for another big fight. Whoever loses maybe takes a little bit of a fall from grace. Maybe they don't have the same stardom moving forward because people like winners, but I'll tell you the truth, man. I don't know how you book Patty against top 15 lightweights and not get him finished at this point. Hanato Moicano is like at the bottom of the top 15. That guy would have wrecked Patty Pimblett. It would not be competitive, in my opinion. So yeah. I, I don't know how to match make it moving forward unless you do something crazy, like put him in there with a returning Conor McGregor, try and get him a huge win and fast track him to some, you know, top five shot against an aging talent, something like that. Because Otherwise, I, I truly don't know how you move forward with the guy because right now he does bigger numbers than is justified for his talent. So what do you do with that guy? You know, it's it's kind of hard to book him, in my opinion. It'd be a huge fight. Does Patty definitely lose to the Michael Johnsons, the Bobby Greens, the Joaquin Silvas? You think he, like, are you confident he loses to those guys? Well, that's a little bit outside the top 15, so maybe – he could take some of those guys. I mean, Bobby Green off two knockout losses. Maybe, maybe Patty could catch him. I feel like Patty would get absolutely styled on in the minutes in that fight. Um, and I don't think he could easily out wrestle or out grapple Bobby Green either at all. Um, uh, who are the other names you mentioned? Joaquin Silva. I mean, he's a little bit chinny as well. Yeah, they got to find somebody who's a little bit. Um, Michael Johnson. I think Neto BJJ would would probably choke him out though, like in a straight up grappling match. Um, Patty yeah. got choked out by somebody by uh, Cameron Els. Fighter. Oh, Cameron wow. Els. <laughs> no, I'm yeah, serious. Not, I know, not a ringing endorsement. Um, but that was even, a long ass time ago. I'm saying recently in some uh, grappling competition. No, nah, no, nah, he got fun. leg locked by Stevie Ray. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Still though, I did. I thought that was a little suspect. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Alex Ramirez says, press the like button. You know, this guy, Alex, is a very smart individual, and I highly suggest you all take his, his advice. Smash the like button. If you're not subscribed, please do me that big favor and subscribe. All right. So, wait, I think it's it's your turn because I just said Patty takes his first L. So, Well, then I will go with an unfortunate prediction because last uh -oh. year, uh -oh. what's that? You said, uh, oh, you said yeah. unfortunate. It, so. is, it is an unfortunate one. Last year, I got this right, uh, in my humble opinion. I said that the number one pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the world was Alexander Volkanovsky. I thought he was going to prove that over the course of the year, and he, he did just that. You know, he got the big wins. I think, unfortunately, he's too, too gutsy. He's too ballsy. I think he's going to lose his pound-for-pound -pound number one by taking a big risk. And, you know, you got to say hats off to you. Um, you're, a, you're a gangster for doing this. I just think he's setting himself up to fail. You know, he's the best guy at 145. That's a that's a big accomplishment. That's really hard to do. And he has set himself apart in terms of skill. It looks like those skills would translate at any division. But the one hiccup is 
He's not fighting somebody that's the same size. He's fighting somebody who could easily move up and compete at 170 at some point in his career. And Islam Mahashev, who cuts a lot of weight, who's a big fellow. And Islam has dominant grappling. And what's the one thing that makes size matter the most? Dominant grappling. Because if I'm on top of you and I weigh five or 10 pounds more, that sucks. And it's going to make you more tired than it's going to make me. And that's, I think, what people are missing a little bit about this matchup. I think that Islam is going to be able to get takedowns, unfortunately. And that means I think he's going to win the fight. And so I think Alexander Volkanovsky is, you know, one of the most out-and-out tough competitors you'll ever see. Put on displays of toughness this year. I thought the fact he didn't finish Max Holloway is one of the biggest testaments to toughness in the UFC's history because Max Holloway was just getting lit up in those exchanges and stood in the pocket and kept taking it. But I do think uh, Islam Mahashev is going to be the pound-for-pound number one fighter at the end of the year because I think he's going to beat Volkanovski and take his spot. You know, I actually had that written down as one of my predictions, but then I was like, uh, let me just do something else. Uh, but, like, that was actually – I do predict that happens too. Here's my thing, man. Like, so, yeah, I'm picking Islam to win, just pure pick, but, like, you got to take this into consideration. When I bet Islam against Charles, it was, like, minus 160-something, which I said was the discount of the century because – Every other fight, you got to pay goddamn minus 500 to minus 1200 to, if you want to invest in Islam. So, like the fact that I got like minus 160 something against Charles, that was like one of the best bets of all time and one of the discounts of the century. The thing here is we're back to the old ways. Now it's like plus 300 Volkanovsky, which I trust Volkanovsky more than I trust Charles. Volkanovsky has never quit in a fight before, you know, Volkanovsky is you know he's just a ball of muscle it's hard to hold down a guy like that and that i'm still picking islam don't get me wrong it's just we're not talking minus 160 islam anymore like we were against charles where it was like almost laughable like now it's back to minus four something or whatever so again i'm picking islam pure pick but that doesn't mean i might not like you just hang a plus 300 on volkanovsky in front of me against anybody at 45 or 55 and i might just throw one unit on it probably gonna lose that unit but what if i don't you know what i'm saying so that'd be a risk i'd be willing to take most likely i could never blame somebody for playing volkanovsky at dog odds against anybody because i could be totally wrong you know what if he doesn't get take that he's getting fucked up by volkanovsky would be my opinion uh, i think volkanovsky is is an elite striker i think that islam is a serviceable striker i think he's fine what what the thing that stands out to me about islam is when i had watched his tape Prior to the UFC, he looks like a world champion. He looks like a guy who's going to be a world champion. Then he gets knocked out by Adriano Martins, and you're like, eh, I don't know. You know, maybe this this stuff's going to go sideways. But ever since then, it's just been stacking W's, and almost all of them are extremely clean and without much resistance. So, yeah, he looks like a world champion to me. Uh, and it's just size does matter. You know, having competed myself, I feel more tired when I go against guys that are just super big, super muscle bound. I competed up uh, at a, a college tournament once. I weighed in at 163. I competed at 174. I was gassed in three minutes because the guy's just hanging on me. He's just weighing on my shoulders. And that's the kind of thing where an elite athlete like Volkanovski, do I think he's going to gas out in the first round? God, no. Do I think we could see Volkanovski gas for the first time trying to grapple a hard 25 with Islam? I, I actually think we could see that. You know what's funny about what you're saying is that so I'm a I have an interesting body type, right? Like I'm like short, like five eight, but like I weigh 185 pounds. So like I have a choice, like in my in grappling competitions, like either grapple with the big dudes 
or cut some weight and grapple with the smaller dudes. And I actually choose grappling with the bigger dudes because they're so much fucking slower. Now, granted, to your point, they're a lot stronger. So you get caught under them way tougher to get out. But like the kind of pace the little dudes push is ridiculous. Um, so it's like I'll have a strength advantage in one. I'll have a speed advantage in the other. So it's like you got to kind of pick your poison. But I guess the the point I was trying to make here was that. I mean, well, what if Volkanovski is able to scramble back up? Is it going to be a case where, okay, you might scramble back up from the first two, but the third, fourth, and fifth, you ain't getting back up, and then you start getting drained, then you start getting tired, and then maybe Islam starts to get more dominant positions, then maybe he can start setting up a submission or ground and pound, or can Volk, you know, scramble with the best of them, get back up to the feet where he has the most elite fainting game I've ever seen in all my years watching the sport. What concerned me the most about the Ortega fight is that Ortega kind of just like threw a punch through him and then hip bumped him into the mount. And what Ortega has trained into his mind is jujitsu, jujitsu, jujitsu. And that is the opposite of Islam. Like Islam is all about control, control, control. And I think that if he gets to a similar position, it's going to be post get like a turtle and just pin wrists and be boring. And not do anything interesting, trying to finish. He knows that Volkanovsky is the toughest guy he's ever fought. So it's not going to be, I wrap up this guy and I choke him out instantly. I don't think he's going to do that. I think he's going to be slow cooker. Try and get him frustrated. And he he already has on record, Volkanovsky says, I will not get frustrated. And he has come back and said, maybe you won't the first time or maybe you won't for 20 seconds. But we'll see how you feel after you've been there for a while. That's what I think he's going to try and do. I think he's just going to try uh, to stall out time, slow cook him, get him frustrated, um, because I think that's the only way he can finish him. I do think Volk is an elite in terms of his will to win. It, that was a fully locked-in choke. He's turning purple, and he's starting to lose all oxygen to his brain. And instead of doing what most people would do, which is ask for some air, please let go of me, sir, he was thinking about what can I do defensively? How can I create just enough space with my hips that I don't go out right now? And then he made an explosive movement with no oxygen. That's just things that you're not supposed to be able to do. Um, and he defies uh, expectations. He's a champion in every sense, but I think it's a big challenge. So if he wins, my God, I got to get a Volkanovski t-shirt, a hat, you know, wristbands, all that stuff. I mean, even if he doesn't, just the balls to, you know, put your UFC undefeated record on the line, your number one pound for pound status on the line and just the willingness to achieve greatness. Cause you know, people hate it when I start talking about Demetrius Johnson, but I think one of the, and he's amazing. Demetrius is incredible, but one of the big criticisms I had about him, the reason I don't consider him the goat is because when he had the opportunity to go up and challenge TJ Dillashaw and become a champ champ, he opted to fight Ray Borg instead. Whereas you see this guy Volkanovsky, like he wants the, like you're calling uh Islam Makachev the number one pound for pound fighter on planet earth. That's the guy I want to fight. Like I wanna I wanna attempt greatness. So that's why I just uh view him in a completely different light. And that's I just hold Volkanovsky in such high regard, but of course Islam too. So I think that's one of the best fights of the year. And as I mean, evidence shows it's gonna produce the number one pound for pound fighter on the goddamn roster, Liam. Absolutely. Stakes can't really get much higher than that. You know, who's going to be the best fighter in the world? We'll find yes, out on that day.
Yes, sir. So let's move on to the next one. Everybody smash the like button for me. Hit the subscribe. So I've been waiting a long time for this. I predict that Yan Xiaonan dethrones Wiley Zhang in a China versus China all violence main event. And listen, I've bet on Yan Xiaonan every single, not, not just, you know, a couple select every UFC fight. I've bet Yan Xiaonan. Um, incredibly um, confident in her abilities. I believe in her all the way. And I think that she's the one that's going to dethrone Wiley Zhang. So I got Yan Xiaonan to become the new UFC strawweight champion in 2023. And this China versus China main event is going to be a big one. And hopefully they do it in China if they really want to take it all the way. I'm actually with you, man. I have the same thing. I bet her in her last fight. She moved to the United States um, in terms of her training camps. She's been working with the team alpha male guys, trying to get her wrestling down pat. I thought that that was really the only area of her game that needed tremendous improvement. Um, prior to the Carlos Esparza fight, she had the lowest time being held down in the history of the division. And then she got absolutely smashed from the crucifix and everybody wrote her death uh, warrant in the division. And now she's no good. She's the same age as Zhang Wei Li. Uh, they both have a similar story, both have a similar background. Um, I would really like to see that fight. I think that she could beat her. Um, but either way, I think Zhang Wei Li has already peaked. Uh, and I think that she showed her best product to date against Carlos Barza. But I also think it's going to be difficult for her to sustain that. Uh, she's had wars with Ioana and Jacek. Um, she's had a lot of difficult fights already in the UFC. And if you guys look back at her early history in the UFC, she was getting hit a lot. Um, so I think that eventually that damage is starting to accumulate. I think Yan Xiaonan might be at the right place at the right time in her career. Uh, and like you said, I hope that they do it in China. I think that that could be a massive fight for the UFC. And what's your next one? Next up for me, I tried it with Valentina last year. I'm going to leave that one to you. I think the great Amanda Nunes has proved her point. I think it's her time to take the fall off the championship block this year. When you look at who's waiting in the wings, I think Irene Aldana has knockout power. I think that she can compete with Amanda if the fight is on the feet, but I think she's a little bit vulnerable on the ground. But the woman that she knocked out, Ketlin Vieira, has been slept on in this division for some time. I bet a lot of money on her against Holly Holm, and I thought that she did win that fight. I thought... People, uh, you know, now have seen the, the trend over time and maybe have been a little bit more cognizant of it, but she was doing a lot of damage along the fence where Holly Holm was most. Kellen won that fight. fight. Yes, she did. My Kellen man. won that fight. People gave me so much grief for celebrating. I was like, all right, I, I'll, I'll just uh, quietly, quietly count the cash. It was, I thought, a fair win. I thought the number was crazy. And I think Kellen Vieira, when you look at her problems, it's just confidence. When you look at her skills, She's got skills on the feet. She can throw hands. She's got a lot of power. She's huge for the division and she can throw people. She's got judo skills. She's got talent on the ground. She can submit you. I feel like she's a really dangerous threat for this title. So I think there's a lot of women waiting in the wings. I think now that she's got those wins over Misha, over Holly Holm, she's feeling that confidence. I feel like somebody's coming to take Amanda's title. And, uh, you know, the fact that she was able to beat Juliana, she proved me wrong. I thought Juliana Pena was going to win in the rematch there. I feel like she had a point to prove that Juliana Pena is not on her level. Okay, job well done. But I feel like she's still going to take that fall from grace. So if she fights Juliana Pena next, maybe she gets one more win. 
But I feel like by the time that this year is out, Amanda Nunes is no longer the champion of the division. So I agree with you that she's not going to be champ, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be because she lo- uh, lost a fight. I think she might just retire. Like she's been talking about retiring for like the last goddamn two years. So what else is there left to do? Um, maybe try to tie Anderson's record or something. But like, I don't know. I get that vibe that she's kind of, you know, go go have another daughter, you know, go do your thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I feel you and uh, we're in agreement there. All right. And next up, and I know, I know y'all knew I was going to say this and now it's time to finally say it. I mean, last year, well, two years ago, I said Jamal Hill was going to be a top 10 guy. The next year, I said he was going to be a top five guy. All this came true. And now it's finally time for him to become a world champion. And guess what? Already has the title fight booked against a 43-year-old. I know that's really disrespectful. I love Glover Teixeira, too. But I just really want Jamal to win so I can be like... um, Jamal Hill, so I could tweet out, Jamal Hill was pick em odds against a 43-year-old man. There will always be an edge. Because <laughs> I know it's going to piss a lot of people off, but the, but the people that fuck with me are going to think it's funny. So I uh, really can't wait to tweet that. Um, and if it bites me in the ass, it bites me in the ass. I don't give a fuck. I've been writing this. This guy's like potential since the debut. So why would I stop now that he made it all the way to a title shot, which I predicted he would make it to? Another one of my money trains, like Bilal Muhammad, like like Cheeto, who we're going to talk about in a second. So I predict that Jamal Hill not only wins the belt, but defends it too. And I cannot wait for the Hill versus Ankaliyev showdown that we've been waiting for for years. I love it, man. I think uh, I think that Jamal Hill could definitely be the guy to beat Ankaliyev. I think that that would be a hell of a fight. I think that's probably his toughest challenge in the division. Yuri. We'll have to see what he looks like coming back off a shoulder injury, man, because that's a huge surgery to undertake um, when you're a dynamic puncher, when you're a guy that, you know, relies on your stand-up abilities. But Yuri Prohoshka could still be throwing flying knees and spinning back kicks and all sorts of crazy stuff. So uh, don't want to count him out of the picture. But, man, Jamal Hill, I tend to agree with you. I, I thought that, um, you know, Yuri Prohoshka at minus one – 85 was the gift of the year against Glover to share in the rematch. I was like, that was the best Glover could have possibly imagined that fight going. I felt like, you know, he went out there, he got to every position he wanted. He couldn't finish him. And then what he's supposed to find another second gear. And an, I just didn't see it in the cards. You know, it seemed like Glover spent himself for victory. Couldn't get it done that night. He's a UFC champion. He can sleep well knowing that he's 43, guys. He's had a million fights. He's put his heart on the line a million times. He's been knocked out brutally. He's come back from knockdowns to win the fight many times in the UFC. How many times can you pull that card? And how many times can you pull it at an advanced age? Probabilities would say not very many more times. It's like, uh, I think that you're right on the money there. And uh, unfortunately, I I think, uh, you know, he's going to Brazil to do it. So, um, you know. They, they got him doing the inside job there. It's going to be him and the team shouting and yelling and everybody else, uh, you know, going silent, it feels like. But, yeah, man, I like Jamal Hill um, to get that job done, so I can't push back on you. Um, my bold prediction next up, Kamzat Shemaev submits Alex Pereira in the first round. Um, and I've got to just come around on Shemaev in the sense that, you know, I thought that he was great. I thought he was a very talented guy. I thought he was really dangerous and dynamic. Um, and I thought he was going to be 
contending for the title. But then when I saw the Gilbert fight, I, I just pulled back a little bit. I was like, man, you know, he didn't want to play in the guard of Gilbert. Um, that's probably wise. But then he started to get in those contentious exchanges on the feed. I was like, man, maybe he's not going to prove to be minus 400 and minus 500 and all these kind of fights. And in the Kevin Holland fight, you know, what's always impressed me about Kevin is that he's difficult to submit. Um, you know, when you look historically, there's been a couple of good guys that have submitted him, but there's been talented guys that got on top of him for the whole 25 minutes. They couldn't find a sub. Uh, Derek Brunson locked him in a head and arm choke for two and a half minutes. Didn't get the tap. Uh, so I feel like he's shown himself to be quite tough, you know, going to try and fight through the positions. And Kamzat Shemaev had him in that, that choke. He tried to roll out of it. He tried to move in all sorts of different directions. And you saw a guy who's typically pretty calm in there, completely panic uh, under the squeeze. Now, is Pereira a huge guy? Yes. Has he been in there with guys like Chemaev? No. Uh, nobody that's going to try and wrestle him and grapple him like that. Nobody is going to have the strength and the physicality to move around a guy of that size. And so I do think that Pereira can beat guys at middleweight. I think he's going to be hard to, to beat for some of these guys that are undersized. I even think Whitaker will have a tough time. I don't know how he would put him away, but I do think he could take him down potentially. I think that the guy who could do the job is Kamzat Shemaev. I think there's a reason why his whole team wants him to move up to 185 right now, right here. And it's because there's a guy who was doing kickboxing a year and a half ago who's the champion. And you should try and take advantage of that. And I think that Kamzat Shemaev is probably the best purple belt in the UFC by a considerable margin. And he could submit him pretty easily in the first two rounds. So I like Kamzat Shemaev uh, to become the champion of 185 pounds and to do it emphatically. Damn, so me and uh, Hamza are the same belt in jiu-jitsu? I think that he has an instructor who's very particular about moving him along slow so he doesn't feel like uh, you know he's gotten better than he is. And then he jokes about all the black belts like Islam Mahashev. These guys are not nice. <laughs> Hamza Chimaev, you're taking everything I worked for, motherfucker. Meet me at ADCC, IBJJF, you know what I'm saying? No, I don't, I don't want that smoke. But uh, anyways, my next uh, bold prediction, I believe this is another guy that you guys know I got my money trance, my Bilal Muhammad's, my Jamal Hills. This man right here, Marlon Chito Vera, I've been betting him since fucking back in the day, whether it was against Brad Pickett in London and Brad Pickett's retirement fight, all the way to the Rob Fonts, the Dominic Cruises, the, the this, the that, I mean... I even picked him against O'Malley. So Cheeto is an interesting cat because I've always said that once he gets to these five-round fights, that's where he's really going to shine. Like normally I'm not a big, you know, advocate of the kind of lower volume fighters that are reliant on big moments or reliant on finishes, but this guy has to be the exception. I mean, he's got the most finishes in the history of the Bantamweight division. And the way I describe Marlon Cheeto Vera style, Liam, is chill 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 kill 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 and i think that's exactly what's going to happen against you know i i think Corey should be favored i think that Corey sanhagen technically speaking might be better but i think you know luke rockhold was better than bisbang i think that you know jan blahovich you know i don't know what happened there against glover but i'm just saying like sometimes these guys just won't be denied on the night and and Chito Vera truly strikes me as that guy that just paid his dues to the point where when it's his time to win his belt, 
he's not going to be denied. I mean, I hear about this guy like a week after his fights, he's running like 14 miles. This guy has no off season. He's always eating clean. He lives and breathes this. And just when you're not as athletic as these other guys, and you're not as, you know, you know, I, I doubt he's got, you know, the same kind of vertical jump as the champ Aljo or anything like that. But I think there's a certain grit and toughness that, that just can't that, that just can't be taught and and not to mention the guys truly paid his dues and i think that when it's cheeto's time to fight for that belt i think the stars are going to align like they did for bisbang i think the stars are going to align like they did for glover teixeira and i don't think that cheeto vera is going to be denied so i think cheeto vera is going to be the ufc bantamweight champion in 2023 i like that i like that it's a bold call um and i i can't bet against Cheeto um, very much more. You know, I did bet against him with Dom Cruz. I thought Dom might be able to, you know, sneak one out there, ends up getting killed. Otherwise, I've been betting Cheeto all along the, the same time with you. So can't push back on that, man. I, I think that Cheeto's a dangerous guy, and he's probably one of the last guys you'd want to take on in the UFC over a five-round fight uh, because he's always present. He's always there to find that finish. And I think that's the one thing where, you know, when I look at the Corey matchup, just full disclosure – that's a little bit concerning because I thought Corey was accumulating a lot of damage against Song Yudong over the course of the five rounds, despite the fact that he, like, basically Song Yudong was finished early on, right? He had the terrible cut. He couldn't really see very well. And yet he's still landing a lot of damaging strikes with his eyes closed, basically just throwing and hoping. And I thought that that was... Uh, he was up. Look. He was up on the scorecards. Yeah. Yeah, despite the fact that he had the the really bad gash. And, um, you know, I did bet on Corey in that fight. I had him by knockout. But I felt like this was you know, a, a wake up call for me that, uh, you know, his time is coming. And by the way, Song Yudong, one of those guys that I had, I had said, I thought he was going to break into the top 10. I thought that Marlon fight, uh, was free dollars and, um, you know, he's in the top 10. I think he proved that he belongs and that he can really compete with these guys. So I think he's somebody to keep your eye on, um, for sure. But my next bold prediction, Ilya Teporia headlines, UFC Spain. Uh, I don't believe there's ever been a UFC Spain to this point, but he's talking about it. They've got Joel Alvarez, another very talented guy on the roster um, that's going to be looking for some shine uh, after a tough fight against Armand Sarukian. I think it's a good way to curry some good favor. And they also just announced a brand partnership with La Liga, uh, a Spanish organization. They're trying to do some co-promoting of soccer in the UFC, trying to cultivate a fan base. There's a lot of hooligans that like to – you know, get down and, and uh, diddy bop outside the uh, the event. So I think there's some natural crossover and some unnatural crossover, but I think UFC Spain is coming. I think uh, it's coming because of Ilya Teporia. That performance against Bryce Mitchell uh, was terrifying, frankly. I thought that Bryce Mitchell was going to, you know, at least make it to a third round there and, uh, and you know, make it a fight. And he was getting murked from very early on and i felt bad for him and that was an assault uh in the ufc octagon so bryce mitchell is tougher than all hell but uh he he could not put on for the for the stars and stripes in that one um i think they're going to spain as a result and i think the ufc's got to get out of the apex a little bit so wouldn't be surprised if they start booking a little bit more international shows like they had been before the pandemic and why not start with ufc spain uh headlined by the matador yeah i mean his performance against bryce was just it was like, oh, my God. It's like, oh, so he's not just a future top 10 or top five guy. He's a future title challenger. Okay, noted. 
main event, Ilya Tsapuria, co-main event, Joel Alvarez, featured bout, Juan Espina, and then take it from there. And I think they can make some great matchups. So I'm with you on that. So one Knowing thing the like- UFC, it's in the Spino main event. Sorry. Right. <laughs> That's what right. they always do. They put the heavyweights at the top no matter how bad they are uh, or <laughs> how low rank. So one thing I always like to talk about is how the old guard is going to be ushered out by the new guard. I talk about it every single year. So I'm just going to bring up the guys who I think are going to be ushered out the rankings. And this will be my, my next bold prediction. So I think that these guys will not be ranked this time next year. And if they are, it's gotta be like 15, you know, 14, but, but I'm not talking about going from 25 to 20 to 14. I'm talking about going from one to five to seven to 14, right? They're They're on their way out, not the way up. So I think Dominic Cruz, that's where we're kind of reaching our wits end there. Pedro Munoz, Edson Barboza, Rafael Dos Anjos, Dan Hooker, Michael Chiesa, Darren Till, Dominic Reyes will all be ushered out the rankings of their respected divisions by the new guard. Wow. It's it's not even a bold prediction, but I'll say this. Darren Till will never win another UFC fight based on what I've seen. That is the worst takedown defense I've ever seen from a from a former ranked fighter. What a disgrace that was. God bless him, though. Um, but yeah, I, how could I push back on that? I mean, uh, we see it every year. There's turnover. Um, there's guys that just age out of this. This is a young man's sport. Uh, by and large. And that's why we celebrate the guys like Glover Teixeira that upset the apple cart. Uh, but remember, he beat 39-year-old Jan Blahovich, who could very well be out of the sport this time next year. Uh, you know, another one, another one prediction or not. I think that the two guys that fought for the light heavyweight title last year could both be retired from the sport by this time next year. Uh, that's Glover Teixeira. That's Jan Blahovich. What are they sticking around for? They're great guys. They're very talented. They're, they're dynamic I feel like that Jan Blahovich fight, he should retire off that. He goes to a draw with Ankalaev, incredible show of heart and toughness, but he was getting beat up bad there at the end, and it was starting to look like he can't fight for five rounds, and when anybody gets on top of him, he has no answers at this stage in his career because he's dealing with injuries and a whole career worth of damage, and the same thing can be said of Glover Teixeira. I feel like we should celebrate these incredible moments they've had of fighting through the fact that they're at this advanced stage of their career, but we shouldn't delude ourselves into thinking that that's replicable over time. I think that uh, this is the year that a a lot of people are probably going to take that L and, um, you know, come to think Kamaru Usman. I don't think he gets a win in the UFC. Uh, That's my bold prediction. I don't think ever ever or in 2023, in 2023, I don't think he gets a win in the UFC. And the reason being, we just saw um, with Sean Strickland, even when he was starting to get advantages over Jared Cannonier, never wanted to push it, never wanted to, to try and throw down and add to his advantage because you worry about getting knocked out. You worry about getting hit with a counter shot. And he just was knocked out. He's already been dealing with the knee problems prior to that. He slowed down in terms of his wrestling aggression and his wrestling offense. He had been doing a lot more of his work on the feet. So now what is his work going to look like on the feet? Is he going to be nervous? Is he going to be a little more tepid in his approach? A lot of fights came down to him winning minutes by pushing people into the fence and slowing them down. That's something that we're seeing judges not reward as much uh, in these recent performances as well uh, over the course of the year. So I think Kamaru Usman's going to have a hard time coming back and getting a win over Leon Edwards. I think that would be hard to overcome uh, the knockout there. And I, I think if it's against somebody else, it's still going to be tough. So 
That's my bold prediction. Kamaru Usman doesn't get a win in the UFC in 2023. So you know how my last prediction was about how these specific guys are going to be ushered out the rankings. Well, who's going to take their spots, right? So my next bold prediction is that the Jael Tun Almeidas, the Umar Nurmagomedovs, the Ilya Taporias, the Movsar Evloyevs, the Manel Caps, the Rafael Fazivs, the Armin Sarukians, and this one might be a surprise to people, the Nikita Krilovs, all become top five guys in their respective divisions. And to some people that might be like, well, what's so bold about that? You know Armin Sarukian's not a top five guy right now, right? And everybody here, I mean, unless, you know, there's something wrong up here, you guys know that Armin Sarukian is a top five talent, right? I mean, I know Liam's not about to tell me that Sarukian is not a top five talent. Please, please confirm this. Uh, he's definitely a top five talent. How could we deny it after that dismantling of Ismagulov? I thought Ismagulov okay. was live. I mean, that mixed with like all his fights, the Islam fight. But anyways, those are guys that I see moving into the top five of their respective divisions. So, yeah, you just love to see it. Like, uh, oh, yeah, Tristan said Guram will be ranked. I agree. Guram will be. Guram's on my rankings. Like, I make my own rankings. I don't give a fuck about their rankings where they have Dan Hooker number 13 and Connor number 15. Like, don't give me no bullshit like that. I make my own rankings, and you got Guram and, like, Tiago Moises. And, like, you know, Isma Gulav taking those guys' spots, right? Like, the Fazivs, the Sarukians. So, all these guys I just mentioned, I think, are going top five. But to take it a step further, Jailton Almeida could possibly be ranked top five in two weight classes. Possibly. Just depends where he fights and this and that. But he's got the skills, the size, the confidence. And I think that uh, he's someone uh, to be reckoned with. I don't see why not uh, in terms of competing at, at light heavyweight and heavyweight. The biggest deficit in those weight classes is grappling skill. You know, most people don't have it. That's why Paul Craig has made a living. You know, it's like, you know how to grapple? You can beat a lot of guys, you know? And I, I think that for Jailton Almeida, he has two things. He knows how to grapple and he can physically dominate you. So he can force you to grapple and then he can grapple you better than you can grapple back. So I think that uh, for a lot of guys that aren't as athletic, maybe that don't have uh, necessarily um, the same polished physique or the same, you know, gi jujitsu experience and this kind of thing. Jelton Almeida is going to run through a lot of those guys. And um, I think, you know, maybe there's a few interesting matchups at heavyweight. Um, Aspinall's got a grappling background, a couple of these guys. But, you know, you, you give me a Brazilian versus, a, uh, versus an English guy in a grappling match. You know, most of the time I'm going to take the Brazilian um, just on experience alone. So. Yeah, I think it's it's a great prediction, and I can't push back on it at all. I don't even have a, another formal prediction, um, but Roman Lidze ascending into the top five with Andre Muniz. That's what I see in the future. Um, two guys that have tremendous grappling talent and upside um, and maybe haven't gotten all the love uh, and, and respect that they uh, necessarily deserve. I think Delidze... You know, a lot of people have been telling me that Lindsay is not good for a long time. And I just keep looking at it and saying, are you sure? And I know he doesn't throw that many strikes. So <laughs> that's the, the stats thing that everybody brings up is like his volume is very low. But if he can finish you on the ground and wrap you up and break your arm and twist Leo. your ankle off. <laughs> Leo, yeah. you, you're a former wrestler. You're a high level blue belt. You're about to get your purple belt. You understand what you're watching. So to them, 
oh, he got a calf slicer. That's a meme finish. Whereas like guys like us who grapple every day are like, holy shit, you do. Who the fuck goes out there and calf slices Jack Hermanson? Like Jack Hermanson is known for being the guy that when he gets on top of you, he's got some of the most vicious ground and pound. And on this one little transition, the way that Roman not only took his back, Liam, but took his back and turned it into a calf slicer and then pounded him out. Yeah, y'all can do your meme finish bullshit, but we'll actually respect the technique and the uniqueness of the grappling prowess that Delice has, the confidence he's working with, already took his first L, which is huge in my book because I'm more sketched out when someone's undefeated versus when they've already learned from that setback, felt the pain, know that they're not invincible, and know that they got to come back and make changes. That's what this guy has done. And as a result, he's fighting in the top five showdown with Marvin Vittori. So I could not agree more. I love it, man. I think middleweight is a is a weight class due for turnover in that top 10. I think those are two of the prime candidates to do it. Duplessis, another one. Uh, but middleweight's an exciting division coming forward. All right. So we already did 10, right? We already did 10. But I had one bonus I wanted to go. Before I do that, uh, boy, 802K Mighty said, please post your ranks. I want to check them out here. I'm sure they're more on point than the, you know, current rankings um i'll post them on my twitter it's at best fight picks one of these next few days i'll just go ahead and post that so uh can, can you hear me okay it's showing like our shit like flashing you can hear me good right i can hear you absolutely okay cool 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 yeah do you, do you see what's going on here in the bottom for some reason it was like going back and forth but as long as you can hear me that we're good but i will show you all my rankings on uh on my twitter which is at best fight picks one of these coming days, I'll post them and compare it to the actual rankings, so you can so y'all can see what I'm on. Like, just usher. Like, why the fuck are these guys who, like, Conor McGregor was ranked like at lightweight for like the last how many years? He hasn't won a fight at lightweight since 2016. 2016, Liam. You know what year is about to happen? It's about to be 2023. So I'm just saying, man. And you remember when like Cowboy and Pettis held up top 10 spots for goddamn who knows how long? And now, you know, Dan Hooker, I, and it's not disrespect. I, I like Hooker. It's just like, why is he ranked? But like Guram and Moises aren't like guys who are actually on the way up. So, yeah, I, I, I digress. Anyways, my final, my bonus prediction. Conor McGregor never wins a UFC fight ever again. Period. I'm out of here. I hope they give him Patty. I bet he could win. I bet he could win that one. You know, it'd be hilarious if, you know, Connor shows up with that surgically repaired leg coming off a bender where he's been doing obscene amounts of cocaine, drinking his brains out, goes out there, just looks like a sloppy, diminished version of himself. And Patty fighting with his chin up in the air somehow is able to outwork him. Could you imagine the scenes? Is something like that happen? Uh, that would be when I have to start burning the Christmas sweaters, you know, taking down the cardboard cutouts. Then, it, then the show's really over uh, if he loses that one. But I think it would be a good way for him to go out, even if he loses that fight, just to have another big stadium show and to come back for one more big one. Uh, but what does he have to prove at this point? You know, he's kind of been there and done that. Um, he set records in the UFC, but, you know, now he's at a point in his life 
where he's sleeping on silk sheets for like five years. That's why he doesn't have any lightweight wins. So I think, uh, you know, maybe, maybe this uh, adversity will, will push him to find that competitor again, but it's hard to find that competitor again when you got, Ten million dollars in the fucking bank or whatever he's got. So ten million I think, uh, times that by ten. You know what I'm saying? I I said ten billion. <laughs> oh, billion! My bad. I misheard. Right? You know. Uh, and uh, someone else brought a good point. They said Connor beats Tony. Yeah, Tony, another one of those guys. Like he didn't get removed from the rankings until very, very recent. Like this is the point I'm trying to make. Like these guys will earn their spot five years ago, no questions asked. But because Tony Ferguson salsa danced against RDA back when I had my bar mitzvah, now he's still, uh, you know, in the rankings. Like, so it's like one of those things, man, where it's like, like, come, come on, son. Like, you mean Rafael Fazeev wouldn't absolutely uh, spinning wheel kick Tony Ferguson's head into the fifth row? And it'd be like when, we, when you and I go to the baseball games, I go to the Braves, you go to Yankees, right? Not Mets, right? Please, please say Yankees. I go to both. I go to whoever whoever the sports uh, team right. he, he goes, he, the home team. He goes to the Yankees game. So that's where we both bring our gloves, you know, to the game because we want to catch a foul ball. We want to catch a home run. I want to catch Rafael Fazeev spin kicking Tony Ferguson's head into the fifth row, and I'll catch that with my baseball glove. Like that's the point I'm trying to make. You have to usher out the old guard, and it just gets done too slow for me. But we'll we'll keep talking about it. So that's it. Before we get out of here, um, I wanted to shout out a few MMA betters that I think are really respectable because, you know, there's a lot, there's been a lot of shit going on with, you know, certain things and there, but there's still some really good guys out here, but not just good guys in appearance, good guys in practice and good people overall. Um, so I wanted to give a shout out to a couple of gamblers that I think um, are going to have some big years and in 2023 and guys if i didn't mention you please don't take offense to it because there's so many people here in this space that like that's why i don't do my my favorite friday lists anymore i used to do it all the time we're like oh follow these accounts because like i list a bunch of accounts i like and then forget about 10 others and i'll be like yo what the fuck i'll be like oh my god how did i forget to list this guy so to the gamblers that I haven't listed here, it's not because I have something against you. It's simply because I just forgot. These are just the first couple guys that popped in my head. So um, I want to say Andrew Gombas. I think that Andrew Gombas is extremely sharp, and I 100% vouch for the man. I actually met him in person um, in Florida earlier this year. Really cool guy in person, but I love the fact that this isn't the guy who's out here, you know, doing 10 team parlays and lottery shot props and acting like he's God's gift to betting. Like this guy actually bets the real way. He's completely legit, transparent, good dude. I respect everything about uh, Andrew Gomez. Uh, Brandon Olivas, the guy is an amateur fighter. Hopefully he turns pro soon. Um, actually has an understanding of the sport because, you know, not only is he a fighter, he's also a brown belt. He's around, surrounds himself with the right people, has a very good attitude about it. And he's got a funny sense of humor. I like the kid. So Olivas, MMA Kelton. Um, this is a dude who started off his fucking record like minus a hundred units, and literally won. Like stayed the process. Like he could have fucking came out here, deleted his account, came back as a brand new man, but he didn't take that easy road. Like the guy sacked up and worked all all the way back. And this year he's gonna finally be profitable. So. I respect that. Clint 
listen, I know Clint had a bad year this year, but you got to understand, I had my worst year last year, and I bounced back with my absolute best year this year. And even though I wish Clint would third-party track his bets, at least, like, the guy's transparent, the guy's honest, the guy, you know, he doesn't delete his account, come back as a new name. Like, he, he has the balls to post his losses and shit, and he's just a good dude, and he's not cl- claiming to be God's gift to betting. He's not claiming that you even need to tail him. He's just posting what he plays, and shit didn't go his way this year, but I love his attitude. And I believe in him, and I think he can have a bounce back. So I'm rooting for him. Will Martin, MMA. I mean, I've known this dude a long time. Met him in person, just like I met Kelton and Gomez in person. I think Will Martin's quietly been putting up a great run. <coughs> Excuse me. Wiz Betts. Um, I think that he's one of the newcomers on the scene. He's got a very positive attitude. I like I, I had him on the show a couple times because I enjoy listening to him speak about fights. And I think that he's someone just to keep your eye out for in the next year. And then Liam. Liam has been doing his thing. You know, I know my boy Liam uh, gets carried away when he gets those big wins sometimes. But that's okay. You're a passionate guy. So, and I know you got a lot of shit about, uh, you know, maybe risking a lot of this and that. Okay. You know, people have their preference. And maybe I don't play like that. But I still respect you. And you're still out here putting up numbers. And you truly care about the sport. You compete. You take it seriously. Your passion's there. So uh, definitely got to give a huge shout out to my boy, Liam, uh, for sure. I appreciate it, man. And uh, I definitely had a different approach this year. You know, I've learned a lot over time. When you look at my record at the beginning, I took a lot smaller risks and I was betting $5 units and I was a loser. But I found out how to bet on MMA before I started to bet real money. Um, And I don't bet on big parlays. You won't, you know, that's not what you're going to see from me. I take angles that are plus 300 and plus 500 and plus 750. And so I don't win every bet that I take. And I, I, if you look at my record over time, I lose more than I win, but I bet on things that are plus money and I have a winning ROI and I make money by doing that. So I'm willing to look like an idiot and take a risk and say something where I make a bold prediction, let's say, and be wrong. You know, Talia Santos was plus 450. Did it look like it? No. Did she get the win? No. Doesn't work every time. But Leon Edwards, great cash. Victor Henry at plus money uh, in his UFC debut, great cash. I bet on those underdogs when other people don't want to. So that that for me is, um, is my style. Um, I'm willing to take a risk. That's what I'm here for. And each and every week, track, third party, uh, plus 99 units this year. So just looking to try and do it all again next year, man. Uh, back on the horse, back at it. And I'm also trying to learn other markets as well as I do it. So um, it's all just a learning process for me. I like to research. I like to uh, study the fights. I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages and notes on these fighters. So if I didn't learn anything at this point, you know, I'd have had to find something else to do. But I love this stuff. That's why I do it. And it's always a pleasure to talk about these fights with you and uh, with your audience, man, because it's just a bunch of fight fans. I'm one of them. And uh, I'm looking forward to another great year of fights. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So everybody follow my boy at Liam Picks Fights. You can find all his stuff on his Twitter there Um, for me. So we got one more week off. So next week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go live this same time Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And I'm going to literally recap my betting year of 2022, which was my best year. I rebounded from my worst year with my best year, had a 25 percent ROI. 
Um, and I, I don't mean I had a 25% ROI just in like January. I mean, like from January to December, I ended the year with a 25% ROI, highest ROI I've ever had, finished the year up over 50 units. Um, I only risked more than 10 units on like maybe four events the entire year. So um, I was really, really happy with what I did. And I'm just going to basically go live and talk about how I was able to have a 25% ROI year uh, in 2022 go through every single bet win loss the good the bad the ugly and i'm not going to sit here when i go to the losses and be like oh well that was just variance that's why i lost that one and oh this is the most genius bet like like there's not gonna be any bullshit we're gonna just be 100 percent honest transparent um we're not gonna beat around the bush we're not gonna bullshit the fans we're just gonna try to use this as an experience to learn and to get to next year and take it to an even uh, just a new level, which I still plan on accomplishing. Um, I still haven't made, uh, met my hundred unit profit with 30% ROI. Those are my goals. So I got to get there and I plan on getting there. But first next Wednesday, we'll talk about this betting year. And then after that, it's time to uh, break down the next fight card. So it's a, uh, it's all happening soon. You got a you got a fan question here. Tristan wants to know: Will you go live soon? He's live right now, my man. Yeah, I've been trying to fix my Wi-Fi, Tristan. I've been having some Wi-Fi issues. Um, that I just got new connections, new equipment. Um, and if the problems persist, I'm gonna get a whole new internet company. So, um, I'm working on on fixing those problems. But yeah, I'll be I'll be live in the next uh ten days. I'll commit to that. Definitely in the next ten days. Probably in the next week. Um, but just don't want to go live if I have another. Oh, look, right when he said that, that's when it shit out. That's actually the, the most ironic shit I've ever seen in my Internet life. Internet problem because I'll probably... I cursed it. I spoke about it and then it spited me. Hey, you, you, were doing, you were doing good the whole fucking show, so it's all good. Hey, real quick, before we get out of here, if the fans have any fan questions, any last-minute questions, ask us anything, um, you know, literally anything, and we'll be down to answer. But you have like a 30-second to a minute window to get those questions in before we get out of here. I'm just scrolling up in the chat, seeing if you guys asked me anything yet, but um, last call for questions. And if not, we're going to get out of here. So um, let's just see if they have anything for us, Liam. Um, before is that thoughts time. on Trey young? If you have them says Kyra, you know, my thoughts on Trey young is the best basketball player of all time. Better than LeBron, better than Michael Jordan, better than Kobe. Look, I know I'm exaggerating, but I think that the guy's an unbelievable talent, and I have a funny story about him. So when he first got signed to the Hawks, I had no fucking idea who Trey Young was, right? So I go to the Hawks game. Um, I got hooked up with floor seats, right? So I'm sitting on the floor with like my girlfriend at the time, and we're just taking in this game. And you know how these Hawks or just these NBA players are all like seven feet tall, right? So there's this dude who is, you know, six feet, six foot one, which like, you know, for normal standards is a tall dude, but like for basketball standards is like a midget, right? The dude was short and like this little six foot one dude is fucking working everybody. And, and it like looks like a virtuoso. It looks like an artist out there. I was like, God damn, like who the fuck is this guy? So I look it up. It was like, oh, that's Trey Young. Cool. Like maybe he'll be our new star. Turns out he does become our new star. So the fact that I got to watch him up close before I knew who he was and I just got to accept the talent and just appreciate the artistry. Like it, it was, it was beautiful, man. Like Trey young is a special, special dude. Um, 
Marcus said, which fighters do you think stock dropped the most for 2022? Shit, I'd have to go back and think about that. Sorry, I don't have an answer off the top of my head. Do you have one off the top of your head? Dominic Reyes, dude. <laughs> I mean, stock I mean, fell off the board. Could it could it go it any lo- could it go any lower? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it'd be tough to imagine. Darren Till, stocks in the toilet. But could that go any lower though? You know what no, I'm saying? No, it's getting flushed. Connor McGregor, I mean, you know. Uh Tristan asked. I'll give you a better answer later, Marcus. I just got to think about it. Um, oh, how about this? James Krause. <laughs> his, his stock didn't increase this year. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, Jeff Molina. Jeff Molina. Not, not up. Derek Minner. Way down. Uh, fraud of the night. Uh, so Tristan said early lean in Andre Muniz versus Brandon, or versus Brandon Allen. That's a tough fight. I need to see some odds. I don't know. Tough fight. I don't have an early lean because Brendan's a black belt too. Now he's not a black belt like Muniz, obviously, but he's competent enough to where maybe I know he gets taken down a lot, but maybe if he can get back up to the feet, he's no slouch standing. I think Brendan Allen got his back taken by Kevin Holland in the first round. And that makes me think that Muniz is going to submit him easily. But I also, I, I have underrated Brendan Allen historically. Just another guy that I've wanted to fade more than has been deserving. So um, I, I, I'll reserve judgment. But, yeah, I, I mentioned that I think Andre Muniz could break into the top five. You do the math on that one. Yeah, so I've been asked what my biggest unit uh, – my biggest uh, – hold on. I'm, I'm going to my BetMMA.tip so I can pull this up. What my biggest unit win was for 2022. Uh, so, like I said, next week I'm going to go through the whole – record and give you that but what i'll do right now um is post a link to my record so you can go through every single bet i've made not just this year but like all time and you can tell me what my biggest win was because uh i'm gonna go through the whole thing like i said next next week but for now just take this record uh link that i'm posting here and hopefully that shows you what the answer was because there are so many goddamn bets um yeah uh all right uh marcus said what i see jeff neal's path to victory over shafkat i mean use that fucking he's got the fastest hands in the division he's got insane footwork he's got a you know circle circle flank when the time is right stuff these takedowns get back up to his feet um it's gonna be it's easier said than done and he's a plus 400 dog uh, for a reason. So, uh, Corey said, ha-ha, no, I mean dollar amount. What's the biggest money you've won on one bet? So a lot of people give me shit because I don't post tickets. But what you got to understand is I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I don't live in New York where it's legal, like my boy over here, where he can post tickets. And I- I'd love to post tickets, but, like, you got to understand where I live it's the wild, wild west, and this shit is not accepted. This shit, people, like, this is viewed down upon, right? Um, so I still live in the Stone Ages, queens of the Stone Age, you know what I'm saying? But, like, real talk, someone has leaked one of my uh, one of my uh, tickets before, you know, in the when I bet on Ryan Hall to, to defeat um, Darren Elkins. And let's just say that it was uh, people were like, oh, so you're betting like that, you know what I mean? So... Just know that um, once certain laws get changed where I'm from or if I happen to move 
then I'll happily post tickets, but I don't feel comfortable posting them with how the laws work where I'm from. So if people want to think that I don't actually bet, that's completely fine with me because I know the truth. But um, I think if you hear the way I talk and just why would I be doing this for so long and not actually bet? Like, so yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I can't give you that answer right now, but one day I really hope I can. Cause I'd love to fucking brag about these bet slips and I'd love to show what kind of baller I am and this and that, but yeah, I can't, can't do it in Georgia. So I gotta, I gotta chill out. I gotta be on the DL. I totally understand that. I think uh, off the top of my head, I think my biggest like single win of the year was 10 units on the leech against uh, Muslim Salikov, uh, plus 150. Just could, couldn't believe the number. Um, it's the younger guy with more reach, who's more powerful, and it was at plus money. I just was like, absolutely take my money if I'm wrong. Um, so that was a big one for me. Leon Edwards. Uh, I told people in my life, like, bet as much money as you can on Leon. I, I was really confident he was going to win that fight. Um, I, I think Shavkat by sub was plus 420 against uh, Neil Magny. I bet as much money as FanDuel would take. Um, and then I bet it again on a couple other sports books because I thought it was insane. So, um, yeah, so those are probably my biggest wins this year. Uh, Shavkat, Lakmanov, um, look out for him. I'm going to be waiting for the props to open up on that fight as well. My boy, Nick Shea in the house. I went to high school with this man. What's up, Nick Shea? What a pleasant surprise, man. Hope you're doing well. Um, so Corey said uh, he meant which fight did I cash out the most? So the most I ever risked on a fight was like over seven units on Randy Brown to beat Mickey Gall. Um, that was good. And then I bet five units on Max Holloway at, plus 110 i think or plus 115 to dethrone the great jose aldo in brazil so off the top of my head those are probably up there good stuff you got any off the top uh, of your head the big uh, the biggest ever uh, i mean i, I think it might have been that shaft one um actually jalen turner when he submitted brad riddell I had uh, Jalen Turner by sub in round one, and I had um, uh, the woman that only wins by armbar in round one. Um, the hell's her name? Sol Jaritsin or something like this. Uh, yeah, Julia Stoliarenko. Yeah, yeah, Stoliarenko. I had Stoliarenko by sub in round one. Uh, and you know what's ironic is that I had uh, I had that like parlayed together, so it was an insane odds, obviously. I bet like $2.50 and won like 700 But then – I also had a uh, a parlay that was with Andre Muniz to win by sub. So I had those exact two things I said. Uh, it was like plus 750, Jalen Turner, sub round one, plus 500, uh, Stoliarenko, sub round one. And then I had Andre Muniz by sub against Uriah Hall. He had like 12 minutes of back control and never finished him. I couldn't believe it. But, um, yeah, that that's what you get for laying the chalk. Never take the chalk. Always take the fun plus number because you never know what's going to happen. Well, Liam, I truly appreciate you taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Like I said, the fans can follow you at Liam Picks Fights. All his stuff is there. Great follow, great human being. And I expect big things from him, not just next year, but the years to come. And hopefully we can fucking grapple sometime, man. Like, you know, it's funny because when I say that, then people are going to be like, oh, who's going to win? And that's, let's grapple like 10 rounds and just fucking trade techniques. It's not like we're, 
at the IBJJF competing against each other. So, you know, let's just fuck. And we're not in the same weight class. So it's all about getting better. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm glad you feel that way too. So we'll definitely get some grappling in. Um, If you're in Atlanta or if I'm in New York, doors always open for you, of course. And for the fans, if y'all are ever in Atlanta, you want to come to my gym team, Octopus Sandy Springs and grapple with me. I'm there like every day. So just hit me up and we'll make it happen. Um, Anyways, follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Subscribe to Half the Battle everywhere podcasts are found sincerely appreciate everyone being here once this is over leave me a comment it helps out you know the algorithm and all that stuff and hit the like button hit the subscribe button share whatever it takes those little things you guys do help me tremendously like i said next week wednesday 3 p.m eastern time i'll be back to discuss my entire 2022 betting year every single bet i made win lose draw etc draw literally because the last bet with magomed and Jan was a fucking draw unbelievable but um and uh we'll try to dissect how i was able to produce a 25 percent roi year and how i'm going to use the lessons i learned to be better in 2023 so That's all it's about. So thank you guys again so much for all your support. I truly appreciate it. I'll see you all next week. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.